This feels too official. <laughs> oh. Hi, Happy Kyle. Friday morning. Yes. <laughs> Whose idea was it to do this like first thing in the morning on Friday? It was definitely yours. And <gasps> I'm almost done my coffee, so I'm almost a regular human being. So maybe halfway through this will <laughs> make some sense. I already have my coffee, so I don't really have an excuse. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's Friday. Uh, it's actually a nice day out, too. I know that's why people tune in to this podcast is to hear us talk about Austin weather. <laughs> that is a very Austin thing. I feel like, I you know, everybody's got thing. their cool thing about their cities. We're always like, oh, come over here. It's Texas. You eat tacos. The weather's beautiful. That's very true. I don't know if there's like besides the weather and tacos, like what else is there in Austin? Well, I mean, like. Just like anywhere, you can find some cool stuff to do, some cool art to see, events and things like that. But I think for the most oh, part, true. like the music, yeah, that's, well, that's but what we're known for. There's that everywhere. So I think the I thing think we have going for us is the tacos. That is definitely the best thing. <laughs> what you've been working on? So once again. Like the last couple of times that we've talked here on the podcast, I mean, we talk all the time. I'm working on the same project that I've been on for the past couple of months. We're in the last legs of it, so there's not much new there to talk about. I was kind of thinking more recently about project planning and what that looks like at the end of a project, <laughs> especially for, for this one in particular we created a couple of Trello boards for this project because it was so massive and complicated that we kind of had like not a back burner board, but like a, you know, second and third phase board. And it's been really interesting going through the project and figuring out how to reorganize things as we go. That's been a little more complicated for me because I feel like, especially with project boards in something like Trello, I'm very like out of sight, out of mind. So if I don't see a card that has, you know, something I need in it, I just create a new one. <laughs> it's probably terrible workflow. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about project planning. I really enjoy like reorganizing those things and kind of coming through those things, coming through backlogs and making sure that you know, everything is orderly and prioritized how it needs to be. Like, I get some sort of joy out of that. I don't know why I feel the same way about cleaning. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's the designer in you. Like, yeah, I, I, so. I have the same kind of joy. Like, most of design, at least visual design, is is organization, right? And we get to do that in Trello. So it's it's a type of design. Yeah, it's designing true. Trello. <laughs> Do you think that that the way that we did the two boards, having the planning board, do you think that worked out well? Or well, what would you have done differently now that we're close to being done with at least the features that we put in that project planning board? 
Yeah. I definitely, for this project, think it was necessary because there were so many cards. I mean, it was basically just like two giant planning boards. The second one being like release two, release three cards, which, like you said, most of them are now have been brought over to the main planning board. I don't know. That's a good question. It's like yes and no. I think it was a good idea in the beginning because it would have been really overwhelming to have, you know, be looking at all of that stuff and and trying to process it when we really just need like the next 10 things on your list to do so that you can focus on, you know, the most important things. But now that the second planning board is more sparse, I feel like it'd probably be a good idea to bring those over and just maybe make a new column in Trello so that those things are not out of sight, out of mind. But at the same time, one of the things that we did more recently was go through and reprioritize everything for the launch just to make sure, you know, we were focusing on the things that really needed to be included in the app. And so now I feel like the second planning boards might be a little bit more like a back burner board. So maybe we don't need to see those things. I don't know. <laughs> I'm clearly going back and forth about this. Yeah. In retrospect, I think one of the things that I would have done slightly differently is not write cards for the entire app and instead have one card as a theme for multiple things. So every week we do a project retrospective and we talk about how we're feeling about the work that we've done. And usually the second half of that meeting is looking at Trello and combing through, making sure that the next week's worth of work is in the priority order. It's the most important stuff and that everyone understands what those features are solving. And I think going back, what we should have done is had larger cards that were themes instead of like direct stories. And just as we went through and did the project planning, we should have broken those out into the stories that they needed to be instead of me trying to take a stab at breaking them out. Initially, I do think there was a lot of, you know, out of sight, out of mind with the planning board. And so features got done that I thought were released too that, you know, may or may not have been. And new cards were created, basically duplicates, without people knowing that they were on that release two board. None of this process hampered us. And I do think that having that second board was really good. I think trying to separate the, you know, six month app into concrete milestones was pretty good. And I feel really good about everything that you and the rest of the team has done, especially now that we've kind of whittled it down to everything that needs to be in the app and then everything that doesn't need to be in the app, but are like nice to haves essentially. And so that's a very good feeling for me. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think you're spot on about the initial planning stuff. And that's kind of what we've started to do now I'll create sort of like a higher level set of cards for, you know, a feature that we want or a couple of features around the same thing. And I like the idea of breaking those out how we need to. And that conversation sort of involving everyone, the designers, devs, and client 
that way we're all on the same page about it. There's not like one person writing, you know, the job story and making a lot of assumptions or missing, missing some things. And I think too, like with, you know, writing them all in the beginning, you do a lot of the work up front with a design sprint, but there's some level of evolution as you're building the app. So those may not become irrelevant, but they definitely change and grow. One of the things that I have been thinking a lot about lately is how we're using job stories in the Trello board. On the last three projects, I've used them different ways. I've used them for our thoughtbot.com site. What we have is a far left column that has almost all the job stories. And the thinking that I have there is, you know, job stories are never complete. And so what we do is we create a story and we link it to that job story card. So we'll create a task and we'll say, okay, this, this relates to these three job stories or whatever it is and have the in the description just link to the job stories. This project, we did card titles that are basically the feature, and then underneath, you know, the job story justifying that feature in the description. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things that I started doing for this project that I did for another project is just have broken up by job story. So instead of having swim lanes for next up and in progress, having swim lanes for each job story, that gets really complicated. So like I've not found a really great way to translate how I think of the job story. The first way that I did job stories was we had the card as the job story title, and then we'd have like release one, release two, release three of that, how we wanted to solve that. So like, what's the bare bones way that we can solve the expected outcome for that job story. And so what we would do on that team is we would drag a card from next up to in progress. We'd work on release one, bring it to acceptance. Our client would accept it. And then every week during acceptance, we would drag all of those cards in acceptance back to the bottom of next up. And so the cards were cyclical there. I'm not in love with any of these solutions yet. Hmm. <laughs> so it's it's funny how Trello allows for almost any configuration and sometimes that's really good and sometimes that's really bad because it allows for me to kind of fool around with different ways of even working within the same kind of swim lanes that we typically have which are next up in progress, co-review and accepted. It allows for some really good flexibility and, and it kind of depends on the team and, and that that is really awesome so that, that we can kind of adjust things to, in this case, how you and the developers on the project like to work and how you think you can work best. And so it allowed me to work differently in another environment. And I think that's really awesome and that flexibility is really good, but sometimes I think that flexibility leads to me fiddling around too much. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about that. That's one of the things I kind of love about Trello. I mean, it's pretty minimal, so you can do what you want and what you need with it. I think that was good for this project because we have had a couple of different developers on with us. And I 
this is maybe an assumption. It's definitely been the case for the projects I've been on. Um, and it sounds like the ones you've been on, but I feel like the designers tend to own Trello organization and project planning organization or reorganization. And so it's been good to be able to get some feedback on how the workflow was working or not working for one developer and not the other or vice versa and be able to accommodate. But like you said, it's hard to not do something that works for you in the moment or do something you think might work for the whole team. And then you realize later, like, I've cut this mess that I need to clean up and a couple of different flows going on here. Like this one card, I'm, you know, using a checklist. And then for this other job story or this other feature, I have like five different cards. So it's definitely requires, I think, constant maintenance. And that's okay. The really nice thing is that the team size that we typically have is always really small. So we can always adjust on the fly. And I I don't think at any one point on this project that we were getting so far away from not having a next step that was in priority order or working on things that weren't valuable or not understanding why they were valuable. Like these are all like, like the reasons that we use a feature tracker are to understand what the problem is and as a team work together to solve that for each individual feature and make sure that we're all coordinated in that effort. And so like, I don't think at any point during this project that that ever broke down, which is really good. A lot of that is due to because it's a such a small team. And I feel like that continues to, you know, be the biggest benefit when building software. It's, it's really hard to keep a large team on track because you have so many more moving parts. And you can even just see like, we're arguing about a project that has, you know, four people on it, including the client. And if that was double or triple, like the amount of chaos going into a feature tracker would at least double or triple. And my guess it would be even more. Yeah, I don't have experience with a team that large, but I imagine <laughs> it would get pretty hairy. In which case, I think having like a designated board owner or something like that would be necessary. You know, I think it's been really helpful to address the planning board or the feature tracker together as a group in our retros. I don't know that I had that with my last project, although the workflow was pretty similar. We didn't necessarily kind of comb through the board altogether every time we had a big retro. And that's, I think, saved a lot of potential miscommunication. Like you said, nothing has gotten lost. It's just been a matter of kind of like sub workflow differences. (laughs) Optimization. I like to call it optimization. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a good word. That's also like natural for us to want to do as designers and programmers is just continue to optimize for the best flow or best process. And, you know, the feature tracker that we use is a big part of that tool. One of the things that I wanted to kind of jump back to that I think is interesting is what you said about designers typically owning the Trello board. I think that is a normal thing, at least at ThoughtBot, because our designers are very opinionated on the software that we're building. Everything that we're building is design-led and hopefully validated before it gets built. So 
a lot of the feet like the designer is seeing a lot of the features ahead of developers and developers are hopefully seeing how those features are being validated and then building out from a prototype what that thing's trying to solve but i don't think the developer isn't as in front of the features as the designer is just by the way that we work because we're designing features before we're building them yeah that makes sense and i wonder if in that case focusing a card or initiating a card with a job story is most valuable to the designer in that way. Because I can say I definitely kind of like reread through job stories multiple times when I'm working on a certain feature, when I'm prototyping it before, you know, the developers need to actually build it out. I'm really focused on the job story. And so having those as a part of the card and even a prominent part of the card, I think is really important like you were talking about. I like how you set it up for this one, it being the description as opposed to maybe the to-do, the title of the card. It makes more sense to me to have higher level context and then this is the description. Whenever I do that, some of me always wonders like if people actually go back and read the job story when I do that and just not look at the title. So like the, there's certainly trade-offs for that. Like when you're doing that, it's a lot easier to organize Trello because you don't have these long titles. It's a lot easier for people to jump in because they can kind of get a quick glance at you know what the next stories are. But I do think if it makes it easier for people to like ignore the job story or ignore why they're building that feature, or even like sometimes it's prescribing a solution already and they're not looking, going back and looking at the job story and seeing what the, you know, what the struggle is for the user. What's their expected outcome? What's their context? That's my biggest fear when I do what we did. Yeah, that's legit. I mean, I, as you're talking about that, I'm realizing there's definitely either in the beginning of a project or addressing a new feature or set of features that, you know, haven't been touched yet. We're definitely still thinking in terms of job stories and and how we're actually solving a problem. But I think as we, you know, maybe create these new cards, these sort of one-off cards, when we're in the middle of, of building something out, they tend to be very like bullet point you know, this is something that needs to be implemented. This is something that needs to be implemented. And there's not really a job story attached to that. Um, and we kind of lose that context and that the idea of thinking about the problem that we're trying to solve. So I will say that we have the same problem on the thoughtbot.com site where I describe we have all the job stories in a column over by themselves. And, and in the description, we'll link over to the job story Again, we were kind of relying on someone to read through the description instead of taking just a high-level cursory glance at what the story is and starting to work on it. Yeah, there's a plugin that I use. I forget what it's called, but it's the parent-child thing for Trello where you can assign a parent to each card, which I think is helpful. I think it's great, especially for what you're talking about assigning like the job story as the parent to a couple of feature cards. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. I would definitely worry that 
the job story would never get addressed, though, especially since it's like a very tiny little feature in the actual Trello card. It's like, here's a little baby parent (laughs) to this card and you can barely read the title. Maybe we should take that up with whoever wrote that plugin. Yeah, I don't think I've actually seen that plugin. So I'll show you. Maybe. Yeah, I'll take a look. It's cool because you can, like I said, attach cards together, have multiple children for a parent, but it's not very prominent in the card. And so it's definitely easy to overlook and and forget that it's there. That totally makes sense. (laughs) One of the things we've, we've been talking a lot about job stories, maybe it would be good to actually cover what a job story is. I don't know how familiar people are with those versus a user story and why. And I'd honestly like to hear it coming from you as someone who I don't have you ever used user stories before? Because the reason I ask is because all of the projects so far that you've been on at ThoughtBot have been using job stories, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. I probably without calling it a user story or or having like a specific system of sort of mapping that out with other projects before coming to ThoughtBot. Especially, I think, coming from designing in a marketing setting, we were definitely very like, who's the user here? You know, who are we trying to market to? So, yes, I've used user stories before. And I think, you know, honestly, a lot of product designers still do. But yeah, so I'll try to explain a job story. I may not be doing as good of a job as you, but it's basically sort of switching some of those things around so that it's not focused on making an assumption about who's going to be using the product, but basically setting up a scenario in which someone might be motivated to do something to achieve a certain outcome, right? See, I think you did a very good job of (laughs) explaining what a job story is. The reason that we do both job stories or user stories is so that it sets up our backlog as a set of problems instead of a set of solutions. We like to work collaboratively with our clients as designers and developers and and not be prescribed to a certain set of solutions. And I think that's where designers and developers work great with, you know, our clients tend to act as a project manager a lot of the time. So that's the intent for job stories. It's prescribing the context in which someone will have a you know struggle what their struggle is and what their expected outcome what 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 behavior or what change they're looking to see once they've finished it's just a somewhat slight different take on a, a user story which so the job story i feel like puts you in the shoes of the actual person that has that struggle as opposed to a user story which does make a bunch of assumptions on who the user is and it gives you more of a third person point of view. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, when I'm writing them or when I'm looking at something that you wrote for this project, for instance, there's very much the like I and my pronoun usage (laughs) when I'm doing something or, you know, when I need this, which is really helpful. It definitely helps with empathizing with your user as opposed to making assumptions about what they want. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the 
bigger takeaways for me when I started using them was to stop making assumptions of who's going to be using it. And a lot of the times, too, when using user stories, they would end up being dialed back to just as a user. And so there's no value in saying as a user or as an admin because it doesn't give that context. And so we might as well have just caught that part off of a user story. So at any rate, I've, I've really been an advocate for using job stories. I think it does help a lot with empathy, both from the design side and development side. It also sets our client's mind frame in the right state too. I think a lot of our clients come to us saying that they want to solve a problem, but always come at it from a user standpoint. Or if they do come at it from a user standpoint, it's a singular, their own use kind of thing. So having more generalized job story to set the context, hopefully sets their mind in the right state as well. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. And it may be a conversation for another time, but to think about the multiple roles that we play as designers and thinking about solving a problem for a business and solving a problem for a user at the same time and whether or not those two things are different. I would say that if you're solving a problem for the user, you're probably going to be solving a problem for the business. So if you're right. solving someone's struggle, if you're making their str- easing their struggle or easing their pain or, or whatever it is that you're doing, they're probably willing to pay money for that. Yeah, for sure. I do think there are some interesting differences in, in perspective, though. Like you were saying, from a client standpoint or the business owner standpoint, coming in and thinking about the problems to be solved versus, you know, maybe a designer's perspective, wanting both of those things to work together. Yeah. I think that might be a good place to wrap up. Well, you do realize we need to do quick highs and lows. Oh, highs and lows. You can't forget about those. You go first. I I play my cards right this time. So this week, I've been just having a lot of conversations with other design leaders and doing interviews. And I really enjoy those types of things, one-on-one conversations, having coffee with people. Those are always interesting and a lot comes out of there, those conversations for me. So that's my highs. My lows right now, dealing with scheduling. (laughs) I think that's And rescheduling. And rescheduling and rescheduling after that. That's a good problem to have, but it's still a little tough. Awesome. My highs are, I guess, sort of similar to yours in that, you know, the conversation that we had yesterday made me start thinking about some ways to get people together and talk about design stuff and host some events. So I'm really looking forward to planning that. And we've also got some other things in the works, like planning events for ThoughtBot, and I enjoy doing that. So I'm pumped. And I guess my lows, I don't really have any lows. I'm tired. I'm glad it's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long week, but not a bad week. So yeah. Apparently, because there's no lows. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Doing great. Cool. So this is episode 39. 
you can find our show notes at tentative.fm slash 39. You can reach out to us on the Twitters at tentative.fm. You can email us at host at tentative.fm. And you should rate us on iTunes. And I have lots of ands. That's about it. I don't know. Don, right. how can people find you on Twitter? At Don Dig. I think that's a wrap. Okay. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>